0: Brother, I want to thank you so much for being here. Please come, and may God bless you as you stand before his people. Give us all the barrels there, brother. Give us all the barrels. Good evening. 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 Invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 1. The epistle of Paul to the church in Ephesus. First chapter. My text will be found in verses 3 and 4. My subject is divine election. I will begin reading in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, By the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus And faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's my text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's divine election. I was born nineteen forty-eight, shortly after World War II. My father at the time of my birth was an infidel. He was greatly opposed to God because of the atrocities he had seen as an infantryman in World War II, which is somewhat inconsistent blaming God for what men have done to one another but he was an infidel he says that the first time he ever prayed was the day I was born the reason why he prayed was he said I was the ugliest baby he had ever seen (laughs) and he was sure there was something bad wrong with me And he prayed that I might be normal. (laughs) It is debated whether or not that prayer was ever answered, but he prayed I might be normal. And then the infidel became very religious. Now when an infidel becomes religious, he usually becomes very religious. He is as strong in his religion as he was in his infidelity. And my father became very religious. About 1950, a preacher by the name of A.D. Muse came to Winston-Salem, my hometown. A.D. Muse was a preacher of God's free and sovereign grace in Jesus Christ, a close associate to. Pastor Henry Mayhan, whom many of you will remember. A.D. Muse came to town and my father and some of his very religious friends went to the meeting where A.D. Muse was preaching. They went to pray on the front row. They were praying that the Lord would shut the mouth of that man who was up there preaching what my father called that damnable doctrine of election. My father says that he could not pray that night because of having to hear what the preach was saying. And the Lord used the message that night to teach my father regarding the gospel of his free and sovereign grace in Jesus Christ. My father became a very pious man. I never heard him use the word damn except when he would tell that story about how he hated that damnable doctrine of election when he was religious. But once he learned the gospel, he loved this doctrine. He loved this doctrine. I do too. I do too. What a glorious doctrine is this. Some say this doctrine should not be preached. They will admit it's in the Bible but it should not be preached. It's too deep and too dark. Well, it is too deep only for those whose spiritual understanding is very shallow. It is too dark Only for those who lack spiritual light concerning spiritual things. Folks, this doctrine is as plain and as simple as it can be. It is no more complicated than any other doctrine in God's word. This glorious doctrine of divine election. If you'll note, Paul says this is not A deep and dark subject. This is not a damnable doctrine. This is a glorious subject. When Paul is going to describe. The blessings of God to his people. He says this is the first one.
1: Blessed be the God and
0: Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In heavenly places in Christ. And the first blessing, Paul says, is this. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. It's a glorious subject. Oh, I love this. I love this. Some say that this doctrine is fatalistic. No, it is not fatalistic. It gives hope. Some say this doctrine shuts the door of salvation. No, it does not. It opens the door to salvation. There would be no salvation were it not that God chose a people in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. It's a glorious subject. It is a blessed subject. And tonight we're going to consider this doctrine of eternal election under salvation. What is it? Election is that eternal act of God whereby he chooses certain persons out of mankind to be the recipients of his saving grace and eternal salvation. He did so because he was gracious. He did not choose them because they deserved it. They did not. He did not choose them because he foresaw some good in them. He did not. He saw no good in them, foresaw no good in them, And God has chosen the people out of our lost race to be the recipients of his free and sovereign grace. We're going to look tonight at this subject. I want you to see six things regarding this doctrine of divine election. We're going to look at its author, second, its nature, third, its objects, fourth. Its foundation, fifth, its time, and sixth, its purpose. Those six things are in this very short statement that Paul made regarding God choosing a people in Jesus Christ unto salvation. So consider the first point the author of election. Who is he? Paul says he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He Chose us. There's the author. Election is a divine choice. And it is made by God the Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's choice. When Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.4. He speaks of knowing beloved brethren. Your election by God. The chosen had no part in this, none at all. God did not choose some whom he foresaw choosing him. If he had, he would have chosen none, for none would have chosen him. Jesus, when he speaks of vocational election, says to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And the same is true with the election under salvation. God the Father would say, You did not choose me. I chose you. The author of divine election is God the Father. He did the choosing. Then consider the second aspect here. It is the nature of election. He chose us. Now, Election denotes the making of a choice. Choosing one or more out of others. If you go to the election on election day and you're given a ballot you are expected to make your choice. If you should take your ballot on election day and Choose everyone on the ballot. Your ballot is rejected. Because that is not an election. An election is singling out one or more out of a larger number. You cannot choose all. That is not an election. Election indicates and and of necessity is the choosing of some out of another. This is the very meaning of the word election. Election. If you would look at it in the Greek language, it comes from two words meaning to choose out from. And the elect are said to be the chosen out ones. That's the very nature of what election is. Some say God chose everyone. No, he did not. That would not be an election. He chose some out of our race to be the recipients of his grace. Then consider the objects of election. He chose us. He chose us. Amen. Whom does Paul mean when he says he chose us? You'll find part of the answer in the very first verse of our text. Paul writes, To the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. These saints would be not only those in Ephesus, but also those anywhere else. All who are saints and all who are faithful in Christ Jesus were the objects of God's electing grace. Who are these who are the saints? The saints, the holy ones. And these who are faithful. Who are the faithful? Those who are full of faith in Jesus Christ. These are the ones whom God has chosen to salvation. They are the ones who become The saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. If you'll go to the prophecy of Isaiah 65, you can do that later if you wish, or if you want to look at it now, look in verses 22 and 29, and you'll find that twice God speaks of my elect. And he speaks of them as my servants and my people. Therefore, what do we know about God's elect? They serve him. They are holy ones because they're saints. They are faithful. They're believers in Jesus Christ. They are God's servants and they serve him. Everyone whom God has chosen to salvation will be fitting that description. Peter says that they are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may proclaim the praises of him Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You can spot God's elect. They proclaim his greatness. And they proclaim his glory. If you'll find a man who's speaking of his free will. And exalting his free will. He's not going to talk about this doctrine. And proclaim God's grace and mercy in it. God's elect love this doctrine. They proclaim the praises of him. Who called us. We know that we have. Been blessed of God. To be a chosen people. A royal priesthood. Then consider the foundation. Of election. He chose us in him. He chose us. In Christ. The point I would make to you. In this regard is this. God. Did not purpose to merely save a people I repeat he did not merely purpose to save a people rather he purposed to save a people in Christ Amen. He, all his blessings are in Christ right. he speaks of Jesus Christ as being my chosen one my elect God chose his only begotten son to be the mediator for his people and then chose his people in Christ. He chose Christ to be our head. He chose us to be in him. Jesus Christ is the foundation of this glorious doctrine of election. Jesus repeatedly speaks of those whom the father has given to me. My Father has chosen them out of the world. My Father has given them to me. It is my responsibility. It is my obligation to save them. And that is why God chose us in Christ. That our salvation may be in him. We learn much about Jesus Christ from this phrase where Paul speaks of the author of election as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose us in him and he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that phrase, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. That speaks of his humanity. God is the God of all mortals. Then he's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That speaks of our our Lord Jesus Christ's deity, like Father, like Son. Some years ago, I had a man visit me. He was of a sect, claiming to be witnessing for Jehovah. And I invited him up onto the porch, and we were talking. And uh, he had his young boy with him. And... uh, young boy, must have been about maybe three or four years old, who was walking and he was with his father on this occasion. And the, the man, so I, I directed the subject toward the sonship of Jesus Christ. How that Jesus Christ is of the same nature with his father and therefore divine. And the man was not buying this at all. He, he was objecting. And I said, uh, is this your son? Yes, that's my son. And uh, in the course of the conversation, he even admitted that it was his only begotten son. I said, uh, God has an only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Yes, he knew that, he knew that. Tell me, your son, your only begotten son, is he as much human as you are? Oh, of course he is. Course he is. Now he has your human nature. Well, of course he does. Does Jesus Christ have his Father's nature? (laughs) And he did not want to answer that question. He did not want to answer that question. He because the only begotten Son of the Father, of God the Father, has the Father's nature. Well, here is the foundation. Of our election. We are chosen in Christ. The fact that that, that, that he is of God. Shows, his, shows the humanity of Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ comes from the father. As the son of the father. Shows the deity of Christ. The fact that, that God is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shows the, the dual natures of Jesus Christ. The human and the divine natures in one person. Our election has this foundation. The one in whom we were chosen is God manifested in the flesh. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Since Jesus Christ is the foundation of our election and of our salvation, it is an absolute certainty. Our foundation will never quiver. Our foundation cannot be shaken. Our foundation is immutable. If God chose a people to be saved, they will be saved because the foundation of their salvation is certain. Consider the time of our election before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. Election is an eternal decree. An eternal decree. Before there was an earth, before there was time, before there was space, before there was matter, before there was there were any of these things, God chose a people in Jesus Christ unto salvation. Did it before He did the creation. This means that when God made the heavens and the earth and he put man there in the garden of Eden and he told man, he said, obey me and you will live. And lo and behold, man disobeyed God and God says, oh no, oh no, it was all for naught. What will I do now? No, no, no. God had purposed a salvation before all of this even happened. Before the foundation of the world. Adam's sin did not take God by surprise. No, no. Adam sinned. But God had already made the remedy for Adam's sin. Before Adam sinned. Before the foundation of the world. God chose a people in Christ. Before the foundation of the world. Paul says. God saved us and called us. Notice, he didn't say God called us and then saved us. He says God saved us and called us with a holy calling, given to us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, when God chose the people under salvation, their salvation was certain. Amen. And they were eventually called and tied. We read that before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was foreordained to be the Lamb who would take away the sins of the world. We find that before the foundation of the world, God took the names of his chosen people and wrote wrote their names down in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, God chose a people, wrote their names in his book, and purposed their salvation, and when he did so, their salvation was as certain as it was when it was applied unto them before the foundation of the world. Paul not only declared this doctrine, oh, he gloried in it, when he writes to the Philippians or to the to the Thessalonians in Second Thessalonians chapter two, he speaks of knowing. Beloved brethren, your election by God. We rejoice in this, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. This is a glorious subject. I tell you what, I rejoice in it. I rejoice in it. We glory in this doctrine of of sovereign election unto salvation. Then, consider number six, the purpose of election. That we should be holding without blame before him in love. That we should be holding without blame before him in love. God chose a people in order that they might become holy. Now that should let you know that he did not choose them because they were holy. Or because he foresaw them as being holy. He chose them that they might be holy. What is it to be holy and without blame? What does it mean? All right. To be holy means to be separated from the world and consecrated unto God. Note the two words. Separated and consecrated. Separated from the world and consecrated unto God. Before the foundation of the world... God chose the people to be holy... They're going to be taken out of the world. They're going to be separated from sin... From sin and shame... From all the, 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 the iniquities of this world... And all the iniquities that are in them... And consecrated unto himself. God chose the people that they might be holy... Separated from the world... And consecrated unto himself... And then chose them that they might be without blame. Blameless. Blameless. God makes this election sure unto us in our conversion. That's when he separates us from the world and consecrates us to himself. And in our justification, all blame is removed. All blame is removed. In our justification, we are made to be blameless. Blameless. God beholds no iniquity in his people. And this is because they were chosen to be holy and without blame. Chosen to be holy and, and, and to be blameless. This equates with being chosen unto salvation. We have used those terms synonymously already, but you cannot avoid doing so. Paul here in Ephesians says that uh, God chose us to be holy without blame. When he writes to the Thessalonians, he says, Beloved brethren, knowing your election from God, and you were chosen unto salvation. Not only did God choose a people unto salvation, he ordained the means by which they would be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose us to be holy. He chose us to be blameless. He chose us unto salvation. And it all means the same thing. If you are saved, you're blameless. If you are saved, you are holy. If you are holy and blameless, you're saved. And all of this is because God chose a people unto it before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before Him. (laughs) Before Him, God has chosen the people out of the world and said, put them in front of me. I want them before me now forevermore. And there they are. There they are. Think about it, folks. When God has brought us out of this world, we stand before him. Not only under his scrutiny, but under his blessings. To be before God is to be a blessed people. You do not want to be away from God. You do not want to be behind God's back. You don't want to be estranged from God. God said put them right here in front of me. I will let them behold my glory and I will delight in them. He chose us that we might behold him without blame before him. There we are, congregated right there before him and in love. He chose us that we might behold him without blame before him in love. Think about that, folks. Think about it. God says, I hate all workers of iniquity. And he does. God hates workers of iniquity. God never hated his elect. He chose them in love before the foundation of the world. And in God's decree, they have been before Him from before the foundation of the world. They have always been the objects of His love. They will never be the objects of His hatred. He chose us that we might be holy and without blame before Him in love. Consider something else about this. Look in verse 5. Having predestined us to adopt his sons by Jesus Christ to himself, notice according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did God choose a people? According to the good pleasure of his will. Look in verse number 6. You'll find this expression. To the praise of Of the glory of his grace. Look in verse 7. You'll find this expression. According to the riches. Of his grace. Look in verse number 9. You'll find this expression. According to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in himself. Now this is that glorious doctrine. Of election unto salvation. Some may call it a damnable doctrine. It is not. It's a glorious subject. It is a blessed doctrine. Some may speak of it as deep and dark. It is not. It is as plain and as simple. Folks, we just read it tonight, did we not? It is in plain and simple language. I am so glad God chose a people under salvation else none would be saved. None would be saved. This doctrine does not shut the door of salvation. It opens it. And I will say to you tonight that if you are a saint, a holy one living in holiness, if you are faithful in Christ Jesus, that is all the proof that you need that you are one of God's elect. How can I know that I'm one of God's elect? Have you believed the gospel? They all do. We all do. Everyone who believes this gospel looks back and says, you know what? I have believed because God chose me unto salvation. Amen. Brought me to saving faith through Jesus Christ in the preaching of the gospel. And we delight in this doctrine. The hymnist has written. Tis not that I did choose thee. For Lord that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee. Hadst thou not chosen me. Thou from the sin that stained me. Washed me and made me free. And to this end ordained me that I might live to thee. Well, my friend, I am so glad that God taught this doctrine to my father when he was in his religion and showed him the vanity of his his religion. I have rejoiced in knowing that my father taught this doctrine to me. When I was growing up from the the days when I was just a wee lad, my father taught this doctrine. I understood it. I understood it. It was a long time before the Lord saved me, but uh, I knew this doctrine. And now that the Lord has saved me, it is all the more glorious. I love this doctrine. I love preaching it. And I delight in knowing that God has chosen a people unto salvation. And if he had not, none ever would have been saved. Do you believe this gospel? I pray that you believe it. Pastor. That was fantastic. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Thank you, brother. I love that doctrine too. All of God's people, as you say, love that doctrine. That doctrine is exactly what we're going to sing a song about here in the end. Victory.